Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. We are your hub for queer and trans mental health care. Each episode, we talk with one of our open space therapists or LGBTQ community member about mental health and building community. I am your host, Renee Johnson, they, them. Founder of Open Space Therapy Collective, I'm a licensed therapist and an art therapist. I specialize in working with queer artists who are exploring their gender identity and recovering from complex trauma. As we dive in today's topic, please keep in mind that this is a mental health podcast. We will talk about sensitive and difficult issues that are not appropriate for all audiences. Please take care while listening. Hello, welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. Uh, we are so lucky today because we have Kia Sisawaf here with us today, um, who is an amazing member of our community and does so much. Kia, welcome. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so since you do so much, can you introduce yourself first and then we'll we'll dive into who you are and what you're doing? Absolutely. Uh, so like you said before, my name is Kia Sisawath. It's actually Nikia. And uh, but all my friends call me Kia. They've been doing that for the last 20 years. Uh, but my full first name is actually Nikia. Um, I am one of the founders of the vixen show which is a burlesque cabaret here in southern california and i'm also a um member of the board for oc pride for the last whew, um six or seven years that's awesome that's a long time that's a really long time yeah 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 so i'm always fascinated by performers because that is not not in my bones. Um, and, and how did you get started with dancing and performing and, and end up in the burlesque sphere? Oh, wow. I can probably give you like a, a quick version of that. Um, I've always been a performer. I have been a ham and a, um, <laughs> an addict of the spotlight as far as I can remember. Um, so I originally grew up in New York City. And so the like the training and the performance opportunities were a lot were were were, were huge because they're you can do anything there. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I did school plays and musicals, community plays and musicals, as well as like training and dance there as well. And then when I moved to California at fifteen, um, I was kind of on my own. So like for the first couple of years of high school, I just kind of. Uh, navigated my own way through dance team cheer color guard marching band just anything that gets me in a performance space and then um after graduating high school is when i went full force i went to school for it i started auditioning you know got an agent and just kept going so that's how it began and you know different paths led different ways so mm -hmm. yeah so that's how it kind that's of awesome. yeah. Thanks. That's so cool. It's um, such a wonderful thing that you've been able to connect to like your performer self from so young and really continue to nurture that and, and grow that. Right. I, I mean, 
I was one of those kids that like, if you just tell your parents it's something that you love, you're gonna end up having to show that really often to their friends. So I remember, you know, uh, I started as an actor and a singer first. Um, didn't know I could really dance until a little bit later. Um, so it was always just like, oh, sing this for me and do this. And then when dance came into the picture, show them what you learned in class or show them what you did in the show. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't want to do it. You're like, no, I don't want to do it because you're <laughs> in the middle of a living room or like during dinner. <laughs> yeah. So um, I would have to do it because my mom would give me like the glare. We're like, please don't embarrass <laughs> me right now. You're going to do this no matter what. Um, and so that kind of took away all the shyness. I was trying to play coy and 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 like modest, I guess, but my mom didn't let that <laughs> let that happen. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Was it a gift or a curse that mom was like, "No, you're you're doing this." It was a gift because when she knows that any one of her children is good at something, um, she wants us to go all in. It's never mm -hmm. like, oh, just go ahead and dip your toe in the water. And, you know, like, maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. It's like, no, you're going to do this because this is, you know, think about the money I've spent. Think about the time I've spent to, like, take you to all these different places, you know, for your for your love and for your passion. So um, if you're in, you're all in. And with my siblings and I, we all happen to be artists in some capacity, except for one <laughs> little child who is the, she's the rock of our family and she handles all the family money and family issues <laughs> kind of throw at her. She's an angel, but we, I tease about that to her a lot, um, that she's the only one without any artistic ability. So she says, you know, she always has the most beautifully decorated home. So that she's got an mm -hmm. eye for beauty. She just can't sing, dance, <laughs> act, paint, <laughs> any of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's always fun to see like where the creativity and somebody comes out. Cause if she can't sing and act and do those things, but her house is beautiful. Like that creative part is there for sure. She keeps us all in line, whether or not we are like the younger sibling or the older sibling and her having being the one in the middle, she can kind of like relate to every one of us. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not the youngest, she's not the oldest. So she keeps, she keeps us all in line and everyone, she's like almost like second mom. Mm. Oh yeah. That's what I love about her. That's cool. It's, it sounds like your family is all really, really engaged and supportive of each other. We try to be as best as we possibly can, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. I mean, I think trying is all we can, all we can hope for. Um, right. And it's, it doesn't happen very often. So that's really cool that not only is it such a family of artists, but everybody's really supportive and like really trying to, to be there for each other, that's so cool. Yeah. How did you end up going into the burlesque cabaret route? Oh, wow. Um, so I guess we can go back to, so the burlesque route was kind of my love for, at the time, was 
the Pussycat Dolls. And so this was like early 2000s, about 2006, 2007, kind of like when they kind of hit the scene. And I loved that kind of pop music feel with a little bit of that nightclub French cabaret that they were kind mm -hmm. of doing, they kind of fused that together. And so I thought to myself, and to my, told my best friend, Amy, we should do something like this. You know, these girls have the LA version, but we don't have anything here in Orange County that kind of does that. So um, let's put something together. So we kind of reached out to a couple of friends of ours um, and said, hey, we have this idea and we want to put on a show. So Kia's going to set a date, find a space, which is what I did. I found a place called the Maverick Theater in Fullerton that um, gave us our first place to perform. And um, we took the next six months or so putting a show together. And I didn't really know what I was doing because I, I've always taught kids, <laughs> you know, like, so my current job at the time was teaching, you know, competition kids, students under 18, you know, with like, you don't say sexy, you say sassy for like, you know, yeah. to kind of like choreography and movement. Um, but I wanted to kind of move into like uh, a more adult space. Now, mm -hmm. before I was already doing nightclub shows uh, with my friends, um as a drag queen and also as a dancer um mm. and that was just kind of like every every month or so i put i'd go up to la because i would get booked a gig to to come up with two dance numbers and i just grabbed my friends let's go do a number to what's the hottest song right now and then we'll just show it in front of all the you know the nightclub goers which was fun um but doing the burlesque thing or the cabaret thing was something that i wanted to do in my own space where everyone comes to see us, not to go out to a nightclub, is specifically coming to see the show for either the girls, for um, you know, for me or or whatnot. Um, so that's how it kind of became um, began, and we started with like seven girls at the time, and it was me trying to figure out. We didn't want to carbon copy the Pussycat Dolls because that's their mm -hmm. own. Thing. So we wanted to do, um, you know. How many of you girls could actually sing? You know, like, so let's do some singing numbers. Let's do some solo acts and stuff. And mm -hmm. everything kind of always uh, ended up in some sort of strip tease. But back then it was very PG in a way because a lot mm -hmm. of the girls, um, I didn't know at the time and I wasn't gonna be the person to ask is, you know, how much are you willing to take off? You yeah. know, and I wasn't sure what the Maverick was going to allow. So I was like, okay, so let's, is everyone okay just taking it off to just a bra? <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna release anything else, but let's just try to do that. Mm -hmm. Just uh, let's just dabble into it. So a lot of their costumes would have like a top where they would take it off and, and have like a cute little matching bra that kind of goes with the thing anyway. And that would be at the very end of a number. Um, and so it's still all very new for me. So I didn't know what I was wanting to do or what I could do in that capacity. Um, so we did that for a couple of years and then it became became more choreography um, related where the strip teasing kind of stopped. They 
they wore uh, like short little pieces and whatever and whatever didn't really take anything off they just danced in them they were already started yeah, you know super sexy and whatever and then uh the things kind of evolved when i became a nightclub bar manager to uh the velvet lounge which was a restaurant nightclub event space in santa ana mm -hmm. uh, they closed during 2020 um but it allowed my girls to kind of evolve and grow and we can kind of create shows every month and we just kept kind of pushing and seeing what they wanted to do and for me i as a male um mm -hmm. i was always a little bit hesitant on like okay how do i tell women that you know how to <laughs> that like what to take off how to take off you know and it was a kind of it was a little tricky for me to kind of navigate that yeah. space. but luckily i had my best friend amy who was not only the co-founder of this project of ours but also one of the performers too so i i i took my seat as choreographer and creative director you know and i let the girls kind of like decide on on what they wanted to wear later in later down the line yeah, I mean that's a really tricky dynamic to it really is to play into, especially like you're going from working with kids to then being like, let's do something sexy and adult, and then there's this gender like gap that you want to respect. Like, there's a lot of like a lot of things at play at once, even on top of them performing and creating this whole new show. And a lot of the stuff I didn't even realize because. I, you know, I navigate my whole life as, you know, a queer cisgendered male. So it was really, <laughs> so I never thought of like what any of the females were thinking or doing and whatnot. And a lot of the times, like during the beginning parts of our, our like in the early 2010 to 2015 or so, um, I would, come up with these looks for all of the girls, they would wear them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they would complain about them, but I let it like kind of like go over me and like, oh, you'll be fine. And that was kind of a term that they kind of threw back at me that I mm. woke up a little later that I kept saying, you'll be fine to them without actually acknowledging their real um, feelings about certain things. And yeah. so these, incredible women just went with it um whether or not that they were comfortable about doing it they thought about okay well mm -hmm. it wants us to do this we're just going to have to do this because if we don't do this then we're not in the show you know and we want to be a part of the show so we're just going to go ahead and suck it up and and yeah. let him do this and it wasn't until later that like I sat down with some of them and I got the like reality check of my life. Yeah, I bet. How was that experience for you? Because to be like the only man in this group of women who are reality checking you is is intense. It is. It was a huge eye opener for real. Cause um, like I said before, all I kept doing was, oh, you'll be fine. Oh, you're not comfortable with the choreography. It's fine. You'll be fine. You know, you think this dress is too short you'll be fine. Didn't even think anything like that. And it wasn't until um, 
they all kind of like gathered around and it wasn't like an intervention or anything like that. It was just in conversation, um, like several conversations at either like at a rehearsal at one of their homes, um, because these girls were my family. Mm -hmm. You know, we spent so much time together putting on the shows and rehearsals that they became intertwined in their other lives. Girls that never were a part of um, each other's lives until they became part of the show um, mm -hmm. were now connected, you know? And so like, they were all fighting for each other and not necessarily fighting me, but like, we have to tell Kia how we feel. Yeah. You know? Um, and so there it wasn't, I, I was thankful for that eye-opening experience. And I'm still learning to this day mm -hmm. um, on, on this. But thankfully, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Um, in 2019, I think it was 2019, uh, Amy and I decided, hey, let's go ahead and have two of the girls that are currently in the group kind of take over. We've done all that we can, but um, Amy has her life, you know, and she she knew that like her her involvement with the uh, the Vixen show was going to be kind of um, small, mm -hmm. and for me, I felt like it's time for me not to to run the game and mm -hmm. to let, and let the girls take over and 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 handle it themselves. I will always be, and I have been so till this day, a huge support system for them. Mm -hmm. As far as like, what do you need? Like, do you need, yeah. do you need, do you need money? Do you, <laughs> do, you um, do you need me to perform? Do you need the boys to perform with you? Um, mm -hmm. You know, like I will always help in that aspect, but as far as like how everything is with, with all things them, um, mm -hmm. it's on them. And I, I couldn't be more proud. That's very cool. What, I mean, that's such a journey to be able to start something like that, grow with the performers that you're working with, be able to take feedback, be able to create and develop and really have that partnership together. And then also be able to be like, I think, I think my main role in this is, is done and it's time to hand it off. It was, it was great. And watching these gorgeous ladies continue this project, this idea that I just had, you know, with a bunch of my friends, like, oh, let's just do something kind of like, you know, fun together, became almost like a, a second job for a lot of them. Um, now, more so, it's become a, a highlight of like their season or their year or whatever. Um, and currently, uh, for the last four or five years now with every show that the Vixen show does, um, there's always a charitable organization that the ticket sales um, go towards, you know? So like we always uh, say like a portion of the sales will go towards uh, like Planned Parenthood and, and whatnot. And we just actually just did a show last week at House of Blues and Allie, who's in charge of the group now, just sent a message today actually on thoughts of where we should send that the usual donation that we do mm -hmm. um, to, um, you know, and so a lot of the girls are talking about um, what's happening right now overseas, yeah. the whole yeah. drama over there. So we're trying to find the right one 
where it could actually get to the people and not to a big company. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, I know Kristen, one of our therapists who was a, a burlesque dancer down by you also, um, really values that in the performances that she does. And there's a lot of like charitable work. And so I think that's really been a, a beautiful thing that has come out like in another beautiful thing that's come out of the burlesque community is how much give back there there is and how much you guys are being like, yes, we're building this like dance and performer embodied positivity space and we've got some extra funds. So let's pass it on to another community that needs help. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, not only are you coming to experience the show in itself, but you're kind of going home with knowing that that the money that you've just spent on attending the show is going to sort to someone who needs it, who, who, you know, could use it. And it's fantastic. I love that. Should have done it a long time ago. Never thought about <laughs> it before, but, but thankful that it is now a part of, it's a part of our identity or the girls' identity. Um, mm -hmm. or it's, it's on the website. It's like part of the motto. <laughs> That's awesome. How, you know, if I always wonder about performers, especially when you're doing something new like this, that's kind of outside of your usual space. Like, how did you manage, like, having positive self-talk? And how was your managing your confidence and pushing through of, like, you don't know what you're doing, but you can do this? Um, how did, how was that journey through this for you? In, like, my blind delusion of everything? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's the best way. I think you have to be a little delusional in order to make things happen and to get through it. I I have big ideas. Oh my God. I mean, I have come up with some of the craziest ideas that these poor performers have had to go through. Um, and somehow it works. Somehow it they make it happen. It's not just me that kind of puts it together, but um I am the idea person and I will do what I can to make every facet of that idea come to life. But if it wasn't for each of the performers and their, their work that they put in, um, it wouldn't have happened. And my confidence comes from seeing that whatever I'm going for or like whatever I want to do, they're all in with me, you know? And that was one of the things from earlier is like, even though I was doing something that might make them uncomfortable, they still wanted to be a part of it. You know, I wish they would have told me that earlier <laughs> so we could have like fixed this issue um, earlier, um, but it's here and it's there. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. How How has your queer identity been a part of your performance identity? Oh, I think it's a huge part. Um, I I try to perform in any capacity I possibly can. So um, I have performed as a drag queen, you know? So there's that <laughs> identity. Uh, I have performed as one of the Foxes, which is my all-male version of the Vixen show. And... And most recently, these last several years, I have I joined a another group called Bearlesque, which is a bunch of 
thick boys, you know, um, which that is a whole nother level of body positivity. Awesome. Yeah. So um, my queer identity is, is that you see it, it's, it's there um, in every aspect of what I do from, you know, the song choices that I'll do if I'm for to sing a song, um, mm -hmm. because when I'm singing a song, it's usually, I'll change the, the, the focus as if I'm, I'm singing it to a male, mm -hmm. you know, if the, if the lyrics give uh, way for that, um, I could perform in masculine things. I can go super femme if I want to. Um, and that's the beauty of, of being who I am and having the space and having the opportunities to perform. And, you know, when you produce your own shows, you know, you can pretty much do whatever you want. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's so, it's such a powerful thing. And I know like, in my baby queer phases, it was always meant so much to see queer performers being the full spectrum of all of themselves oh, um, yeah. was always a really powerful thing for me when I was younger. And so I just think that's those performers that can do that, like yourself, it's such an important thing. And I wish I had that. I wish I had that at a, at a younger age. And I'm sure, I mean, they were there, mm -hmm. you know, they just weren't like fully there, you yeah. know, whether it be the, you know, the time, you know, the nineties as it were, mm -hmm. you know, or their own comfortableness with themselves. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's not new. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they were always there. It's just whether or not they wanted to show a part of that where I could see that, you know, Yeah. as dancers, like when you're a kid and you're seeing male dancers on TV or in a movie or whatever, it's uh, usually in a straight and narrow kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They're all kind of like masculine or whatever. Like when I was growing up, that's like what, like West Side Story, Newsies, um, yeah. backup dancing for any pop star. Like, you know, there were gay men on the, on the stage with them, but they mm -hmm. didn't act like them. You mm -hmm. know, and the only time I saw um, them being their true selves which was a big eye opener for me, was seeing Madonna's background singer, backup singer, backup dancers um, mm -hmm. during that whole Vogue um, mm -hmm. era, you know? So I was about 13, 14 at that time and seeing these dancers kind of, um, they were all beautiful, but they weren't necessarily dancing in this like, macho kind of way they were themselves fully and i loved every minute of it and um in my bedroom i would try to imitate that i couldn't do that anywhere else <laughs> yeah but i loved that, yeah i mean that the whole vogue era was such a big i think a big breakthrough for like oh this can be more public um and such a beautiful place for that to start happening and of course madonna and of course vogue like is the perfect like pairing to make that more public right 
what was it like for you to to see that and then start to figure out how to be comfortable performing like that? So I didn't perform in, um, gosh, I think it's going to be like, let's see. Um, even as an adult, I still had to carefully navigate the way that I would be performing. Um, mm -hmm. Because I was also a dancer at Disney. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, it it didn't need to be like you're dancing overtly feminine or overtly masculine or anything like that. You just had to be just kind of uh, big and open, you know, like the very Disney way. So just like very, not necessarily cheesy, but just you have to be fun. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, in a nightclub atmosphere, that's where things could be a little bit, um, you could pay a little bit more. But even then in the early moments of that, I still tried to be a little bit on the masculine side. And I don't know why, I think I was just afraid uh, yeah. to, to do it any other way. If I was in drag mm -hmm. doing a drag performance, I would go balls out because it was, mm -hmm. I, was a I was dressed like a completely different person. But seeing me as as a male doing, you know, choreography, I always felt like I had to kind of do it a more masculine way. Now is not the case. Now it's completely mm -hmm. different. Now I'll just, you know, choreograph as however I want. Whatever looks good, whatever is fun to do with my body. If it looks feminine, great. It's going to look sickening. It's going to be incredible. The boys mm -hmm. will love it because they, they actually prefer it, the guys that I have. So... Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want to do a whole lot of macho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, there are still obviously spaces where you could be performing and it's not safe to play with yeah. gender presentation and, and how you're performing. And so like being aware of, of where you're at and where it's safe to to express and play and where it's it's not really important. Absolutely. And now like being where I'm at, where I've, I'm the one that's kind of creating the shows or the events for these things. And I get to pick and choose where these places or these performances will be. Um, mm -hmm. I'll always feel safe in doing what I'm doing because when we put these shows, the people that come to these shows already know what they're going to get. You know, they're going to get, you know, with, with the Foxes, they're going to get five guys that, are always going to be in at least one or two numbers where they're in heels, but doing the most insane mm -hmm. choreography and just being themselves. You know, when we do our solos, we bring a little bit more of our individual personalities to it. And then our other group numbers is kind of a cross between being masculine and feminine. It's just whatever feels hot to us. Yeah. You know, it gets the crowd going and screaming because they're all there for us anyway. You know, there's mm -hmm. nothing to be. Rarely is there anyone that's just kind of just going to stumble into the venue space and go like, oh, what well, like, what are these gay boys trying to do? They're not really, yeah. we're not going to do that because yeah. we're not going to put ourselves in that, in that position. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody in the, in the club will run them out the door real fast. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's jump a little bit. How, how did you get involved with OC Pride and like, start being on their on their board seven years is a, a long time for a very demanding event um so i started with oc prep so being a manager uh at velvet um 
that first year that we were open was kind of like the first year that that OC Pride the festival was going to be in Santa Ana mm. on the street where we are facing, like on our street, like right outside our door. And so um, I had some friends who happened to be on the board. And this was like, this is back in 2012. So um, they said, hey, do you want any of your vixens to kind of perform? We have this stage that is gonna be built outside um, about a hundred yards away from the club. And um, if you wanna bring any of your numbers, you can go ahead and do that. And so that kind of like did that. So like year after year, I would get asked to have my guys and girls put on a cute little 15 minute show for, mm -hmm. for the attendees. And it wasn't until 2017 that my friend Jeremy, who was the board president at the time, goes, hey, we still need a um, like a director of parades. We're going to start doing parades now. And we've done it for a couple of years. And the guy is leaving. And I could really use you. And I'm, you know, He's at the bar. I happen to be working as a bartender that day. He comes around and just visits me. I'm thinking this is a friend that's just coming to visit. Yeah. Being a cocktail. I haven't seen him in a while. Nope. He had, had an ulterior motive. He's trying to <laughs> be part of the board. Um, and I was kind of taken back because I didn't know what it all entailed. You know, mm. for the last four or five years participating in the festival um was all i knew i knew it was a big deal and it was great for the community and santa Ana loved it and everyone that you know would come was always having a good time the nightclub our bar made so much money you know on days like because like we would be the bar to go to um but as far as like organizing it i didn't know what i was what what i would be doing and then he mm -hmm. goes don't worry I'm gonna be there for you. You can ask me anything. I I don't know anyone else who could do this, but you right now, you know? And at first I was like, you're just saying that because you just need someone to just fill in the spot. <laughs> so after about a week, I talked to my husband and I said, after about a week uh, of talking with him and kind of like thinking about it, I agreed to do it. Um, but I told him I was going to need help because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, okay, great. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was very, very scary to, to put something like this together. Yeah. Because it was, I was it, like, you know, I got, I got an official email, um, and then the application started coming in towards my end. I was like, okay, so how do I organize this? What do I do? There's like, you'll be fine. Just put it in the order however you want. You get to decide, you know, what the parade's gonna look like. You get to decide what order it goes into. You're just gonna accept the payments and do all that. I was like, okay, so it's kind of like project managing. So yeah, it's easy, right? It's fine. Um, but I asked a lot of questions that first year. That. A lot of questions. <laughs> I bet. Like to go from just like a friend visiting a bar to all of a sudden putting the parade together. That's that's a big jump. Yeah. And and luckily being in that position wasn't as as time consuming as the other positions on the board. 
like operations mm -hmm. and, and fundraising and entertainment and all of that. I didn't have to deal with any of that. I just had to deal with the last couple of months before the festival, we're putting on a parade down the street. And so you just got to just organize all that together, you know, set a time, meet with them, create some rules for them and mm -hmm. let it happen. You're done by noon. <laughs> cool. What in the last like seven years that you've done this, because a lot has happened since that lot first year. Um, what what's impressed you about the the OC LGBT community? Um, the growth is what's impressive, and I'm still. And we talk about this all the time. I just had a meeting with the board uh, mm -hmm. two weeks ago. We have our monthly meeting at the beginning of each month, and we talked about how. You know, each year it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. um, and that is one of the most beautiful things in the world. Because I think about back to 2012 and just as a person that just plugged in his list of dancers on a stage for a few minutes, you know, and I didn't really get to experience the festival because I went right back into the bar and just started working all day. So oh, I wow. didn't really know what it was like. I knew it was busy because people were in the bar, but I never got to actually have fun out there. Um, mm -hmm. But since I joined on, on the board, I saw an incredible, like exponential growth um, in attendance, in what we need, in space, in like what we can give for the community, because we are an organization, we're a nonprofit organization, and we're like one of the very few prides where you could attend and not have to pay to go. Mm. It wasn't, you know, like Long Beach, LA, San Diego, their prides are in an enclosed, fenced yeah. in space. For what we did for Orange County, because of where we were in the middle of downtown Santa Ana, we can't fence in anything, you know. Um, so it was open to the public. Cool. And so what that meant was we can't sell tickets for attendees. Mm -hmm. So that meant we have to raise all of this money on our own, you know. Wow. And so we went from having about a dozen board members, which was the first time that I did. We had about a dozen board members to the next year we had five, everyone left, you know, for their own reasons, for doing their own things and sure. left with five people, Ooh. myself and four others. And I don't know how we did it, but we <laughs> made it happen, you know? Um, and we created once again, another parade and festival. And, um, right after that that was the 2019 festival so right after that COVID happened mm -hmm. so we were already planning to move to anaheim but that never happened because everything was shut down so yeah so 2020 and 2021 never happened as far as a festival was concerned okay. there were people on the board and we just tried to do whatever we could by having like community events, but we knew we couldn't have a full out festival. Mm -hmm. Back then in 2019, our festivals would cost us, we would have to raise about 165 to maybe $185,000 to put it on, you know, from mm -hmm. city fees to like, um, well, fees galore from city fees, planning fees, water, security, 
yeah, anything. That was how much that was spending. This last one that we had in 2023 in June cost us. 300,000. That is a lot of growth. Almost double in, in what we had to spend. Um, mm -hmm. because it got bigger, it got bigger. So like we needed to have more things. It can't just be a bunch of booths and a bunch of food things. We need to like for the community that's helped raise this money for all the companies that like donated and sponsored and sent these grants to us. We needed to make sure that it was it was a festival worth having and worth, you know, doing for the community. And it was, I'm surprised I have a full head of hair. <laughs> that a lot of my colleagues are still, you know, standing upright and back <laughs> to yeah, do it again. Uh, yeah, me too. I mean, how, how do you manage how do you manage taking care of yourself and your own mental health through all of this? Like the OC pride and teaching and having these show, like shows you're doing so much. How do you take care of yourself? Um, you can I, keep doing it. I have ADHD. <laughs> um, so thankfully um, the medication helps me get through that helps me organize myself in here so that I can handle the things I need to handle mm -hmm. out here. Um, there was a little scare moment in pre-pandemic 2020, late 2019, where my husband thought I was going to have a stroke at some point mm -hmm. because um, there were some things that were happening at the nightclub uh, that I was working at where um, the owner wasn't paying anyone anymore. And so people were quitting. So, yeah. um, but we still had all these events and shows that we had sold tickets for. And so I had some drag queen friends that were willing to come and do the show. They weren't paid for the show, but what they got in tips, uh, well made up for it. Um, and then the bartenders that I could have, you know, to the very end, they knew that what they were making, what they were making hourly didn't matter anyway. They were, mm -hmm their real moneymaker was what they walked away with in tips at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, a week before the whole national shutdown, uh, the venue closed, we were evicted. Wow. So that, that forced me to rest because yeah. only were we, I mean, we thought, we thought we were going to do Anaheim. So like we were already, at that time, it was three months till Pride, you know, because we didn't know anything was happening. Yeah. With so um, I was doing that. I was doing shows. We were getting ready for another show that I was kind of putting on. Um, and then I was also choreographing and doing a show called Fantasies in Riverside. I was I mm -hmm. I stack on my life like no other and I should not be doing that. But it's the only way I enjoy my life. Mm -hmm. So um, but having the shutdown and having not been able to work as a bartender manager gave me the time to take a step back and actually rest to sit on the couch for the next six weeks and do absolutely nothing to eat whatever i wanted to watch <laughs> to spend time with my husband because he doesn't have to go to work anymore you know mm -hmm. for a while and just spend time just being together and being ourselves and just exhaling yeah. so 
the pandemic saved my saved my health because like I was working 70 hours a week. Which is just an insane amount. It was a, it it was truly, truly unhealthy. But I felt like if I didn't do it, then the venue would have closed way earlier. I had I I risked my own health to kind of keep this place open. And yeah. my friends were trying to tell me, you need to just step away, let it go, let it crumble because you can't do anything about it. If your boss isn't willing to help anybody out or 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 pay anyone, you shouldn't mm -hmm. be able to have to deal with everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that really, and it's hard to do when you're invested and you're yeah. like, your community is showing up and performing and like participating yeah. in it. And with with the Velvet Lounge, I was there from the get-go. I was there from the beginning. And so I was like the first person to work there. And then the last person to leave 10 years mm -hmm. later. So I, I had I I I felt I couldn't walk away like everyone else could. You know, even though mm -hmm. I wasn't getting paid, I was still putting in all the hours for it. You know, and my boss was only pretty much just paying me whenever he could with mm -hmm. whatever revenue that we could, that he could like kind of, you know, come up with. And it was hurting me and my husband financially. It was, you know, we were, yeah, of course, we're suffering, but I tried to not let David, that's his name, um, feel that impact, you mm -hmm. know, at home and yeah, he literally thought I was going to have a heart attack or a stroke because I would I would work from 7 to 7 a.m. to 4 a.m. So I only had like three hours of awake, wow. not doing anything. And that's mm. not enough to sleep and rest or eat. No, no. I mean, the gift of ADHD is you can you have the energy to do a lot, but three hours of sleep is not enough. It was truly unhealthy. I, I, I don't know where I would be or how I would be if that kept going. Yeah. Because I probably wouldn't be the person, I wouldn't be the person who to, to walk away. I can't walk mm -hmm. away from things, that's the hard part. It is, especially when you care. Yeah. How does how has that changed what you decide to get involved in now and like what projects and jobs to do now? Well, now um, everything's on my time. Um, so uh, I teach as, as you know, my job. So um, it's a normal human schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I get to pick and choose what events I like to do. And usually I, I reach out to my friends and was like, hey, I have this idea, this is coming up. Like, do you, we all wanna do something, you know, like with, the Halloween season, obviously it was like, Hey, do you guys want to put on a Halloween show? I can get this date for us to do it at the, you know, at our space, you know, who's all in, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if they want to do it, let's make it happen. So nowadays it's, it's not all on me. It's a, a group effort with whoever I'm doing it with. Yeah. And that makes the biggest difference, right? Being able to like have those collaborations and like do things with people that you care about and are inspired by, um, and it feels like it's on your time is a huge difference and allows for so much more bandwidth. 
it's it it's re I'm so grateful for it too because in the past starting this these projects you know in the early seasons of Vixen I would always try to do everything myself from choreography to the costumes to making the rehearsals and everything like that and I told the the dancers just show up just be just just come up to the rehearsals do the show I don't need you to do anything else um now that's not the case now it's like the girls helping each other with like what costumes to get they work on it with themselves they like now are choreographing their numbers and everything like that it's they're they're they have taken the initiative and kind of like making sure that like my skills are being used effectively mm -hmm. they can kind of say same thing with the boys too they're, they're like what do you need from us what do you need from us like don't do this on your own yeah. and so now i've learned that it's it can't be successful without making it a group a group effort yeah that's awesome that's such a testament to <clears throat> your ability to like take in and work with people and the people are excited to do that with you and not just be like here kia you do all of it it was it, it's it's hard it's hard to, it was hard to give that up as a leo <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very very hard to 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 give away not necessarily your power but like um to let others help you yeah you know you always want to be in charge you want to like be the person um and it was it was hard for me to kind of okay you really want to do this i guess it'll be fine you know granted mm -hmm. it, it was great it, it's it's fantastic when that happens yeah. now i'm feeling like that like again, once again should have done it before but it's too stubborn. <laughs> the, the things that we learn in, in time is always so interesting. Like, oh, if I would have done this 10 years ago. Oh my God. Like how my life would be so different if I actually just listened the first time around. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I could talk to you for another hour. It's really great to get to know you. Where, where can people find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram, uh, at Foxy Daddy Kia. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, just pretty much just that. And then okay. a couple of shows coming up and stuff. Nice. So. Well, I'm sure people will want to reach out and see the show and the things that you have coming up. Um, and so, oh, sure. yeah, the Instagram, um, Foxy Daddy Kia, which just made me smile when you sent that through. I'm like, that was such a great name. It's a joke because it started with the girls calling me daddy. And it was because mm -hmm. it was kind of like, daddy, can we have this? Or daddy, can we get this? <laughs> and, so and foxes actually because vixens and foxes are the same animal. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it, it, there's a, there's a, there's a whole method to the madness. I love it. Um, so we like to end our show. We are all about taking care of your mental health and, and building community. What's an example of in the last like week or two where you really felt connected to your queer community? I don't think it's necessarily just uh, any like moment in particular because I'm in it. I like I I, I don't really step away from it. Mm -hmm. I, I have a core group of. Um, amazing friends um who happen to be drag queens all of them 
and um, I spend a lot of time with them. I have been spending a lot of time with them recently. And so um, they they help me with, with making sure I am free to be my authentic self. I also learn a lot from them. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of them are um, non-binary. And so the process of understanding the, the the whole pronoun situation and whatever um has been very very educational and grateful for all of that so i'm grateful for those core of queens and then um my group my foxes and my vixens who my foxes are all queer uh and about half the vixens are <laughs> so, yeah um people might think they're all straight girls but they're not yeah and that's the beauty of it that's awesome. So, and then obviously with um, being a member of OC Pride, so I don't really ever feel like there's no way to feel connected into community because that means I've stepped away from it to, mm -hmm. to pick a point. I'm always in it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been left. It's, it's, I've, I've been in it since I, you know, set foot in it. So, mm -hmm. but yeah. That's awesome. What a like wonderful way to live life is just be fully embedded in your community. I never yourself. thought I would be that. I never thought I would, I would, this is where I would be. And mm -hmm. I would never ever change it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, hopefully we'll have you back again soon. And um, yeah, and people can find you on Instagram um, and keep in touch with what you have coming up. Definitely. And also they could check out the Vixen show too. It's uh, at the Vixen show, just one word um, to see all of their things. Cause they do a lot of stuff, not just with me, but aside from mm -hmm. me and um, very LGBTQ focused. So awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you're in California and looking for a therapist, visit our website at openspacetherapycollective.com and book a free intro call with one of our therapists. If you're enjoying My Therapist Is Out, please rate, review, and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. My Therapist Is Out is an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. Our therapists are Renee Johnson, Kristen Crow, Debbie White, Jenny Nigro, and Tara Friedman. Our podcast editing is done by Smash and Grab Studio. We'd love to hear from you about today's topic, so you can email us at info at openspacetherapycollective.com. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at My Therapist Is Out and Open Space Therapy Collective. Thanks for listening.